privilege to serve. We pray that you would move in this session tonight, that you would talk to our hearts, that you would help us to realize as your people who we are, what our identity is, and what we can bring to the table in your kingdom. I pray, God, that not only would you reveal to us our identity, but that you would give us a willing spirit, a willing heart to work, to serve in your kingdom. We ask you to do these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Shake hands with your neighbor. Tell him I'm glad to see you. Thank the Lord. And you may be seated. I will ask you tonight to remember service Sunday, and uh, I'm happy to report this past Sunday we had around 230 in church with us, and I think that's amazing. Isn't that awesome? Let's give the Lord some appreciation for that tonight. Amen. Thank the Lord. And uh, so remember service Sunday, Sunday school at 10 o'clock, service, evangelistic service, worship service at 11. Uh, to our ushers tonight and to those of you that were planning to give in a Wednesday night offertory. Uh, immediately following the service tonight, I'm going to ask a couple of our ushers to go stand at each door as you exit. And uh, if you don't mind, if you just place your offering in the offering receptacle as you are exiting the building tonight upon dismissal. So if you'd do that tonight, I'd appreciate it very, very much. Also, did everybody receive a student handout? If you did not, raise your hand and we'll get one to you. Um, We need one up here at the front. One in the back. Uh, Brother Don, if you'll raise your hands one more time. Casey needs one and Brennan needs one up here at the front. Anyone else? Somebody started an evil rumor that we weren't doing a student handout tonight. Y'all come ask me next time. Don't believe that person who ever said that, so I'm kidding. So um, anybody else need a student handout? Everybody have an ink pen? If you need an ink pen, raise your hand and we'll get one to you. Uh, About three or four ink pens. Also, when you exit the building tonight, as you're giving in the offering, when you exit, there's a brown basket. Everybody, please listen. Uh, There's a brown basket at at Grand Central in the lobby. If you would put your two test papers in that basket, we would appreciate it. Or you can hand it to an usher. I'm going to ask our ushers, if you see anybody walking out the door with their paper in their hand, stop them and say, hey, 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 hey. We need that. So if you would do that, we would appreciate it so very much. Okay. So everybody has a student handout. Everybody has an ink pen. We will begin tonight on page three of your student handout. I will not go through the first two pages just to save time. We've repeated that twice in the first two Gray Step sessions and will not repeat it here tonight. If you would like to fill in the blanks, uh, they should be pretty easy. The answer is on a big sign out in the lobby. You can get that after church. So uh, so if you'll turn to page 3 on your student handout where it says Grace Step 3, Discover Purpose. I'm going to go real quickly tonight. Brother Merrill's going to follow me with the giftings assessment that you brought with you tonight already filled out. 
and then Sister Christy will follow him with the personality assessment, uh, and we'll go over all of that with you. So beginning with Grace Step 3, this is our session tonight on Discover Purpose. Uh, we've already talked about know God, find freedom. Tonight is discover purpose. In verse 6 of our scripture text that our church vision is based on, the Bible said, God said, I will redeem you. I will redeem you. And this is, we call this discovering purpose, where you're free to operate as a child of God in the giftings and personality that God has given you. So why is it important to discover purpose? I'll tell you why. Because 80% excuse me, 87%, 87% of all Protestants do not know their purpose. Want to know why the church isn't growing? People don't know why they're there. And that's why we make such a big emphasis on it at Grace Church. 87% of Protestants do not know their purpose. I want to explain tonight that Grace Step 3 and 4 has a whole lot to do with, with leadership. If you want to be in a leadership role, we're including it in membership now, but this is really applicable to church leadership people. So if you have an interest at some point in the future and join our leadership team, uh, we'd be happy to have you. And uh, there is one more session that I will teach just those who are interested uh, at a very near future date when we're done with, this, with these classes. But most people have eight basic needs that brings fulfillment to their lives. Most people have eight basic needs that brings fulfillment to their life. Number one is physical needs. If you'll fill in that blank. Number one is physical needs. That's simply the need to eat, the need to sleep, the need to work. Uh, 85% of Americans feel like they're getting their physical needs met. 85%. Number two is safety needs. This is feeling secure. This is feeling safe. 75% of Americans feel like they're getting their safety needs met. Uh, We're making a huge effort right now to provide security here at Grace Church so that when people come, you can feel secure to the best of our ability while you're here. Number three is love needs. Love needs. This is relationships, it's relation, spousal relationships, family relationships, friends. 50% feel they're getting their love needs met in America. Only 50% feel like they're really getting their love needs met. While we're on the love needs part, we welcome back Dallas and Brianna Turpin from their honeymoon. They've been married a week and a half, and they're still married. Hallelujah. They're off to a good start, so that's pretty cool right there, but we welcome Dallas and Brianna was married, what, two weekends ago, if I remember correctly, something like that. And uh, they've been honeymooning. And uh, so now it's time to get back to real life and work and jobs and a whole list of other things that we'll get into later. But we have love needs. Number four is esteem needs. Esteem needs. That's the need to be complimented, the need to be affirmed. Most people have esteem needs. 40% of Americans feel like they're getting their esteem needs met. 60% are not. Esteem needs. Number five is cognitive needs. And this is learning. People have a need to learn. If you don't believe that, ask your spouse or your kids, Dad, you're just old and ignorant. 
And, uh, uh, but we have cognitive needs that we need to learn. Then we have aesthetic needs. And that's just simply to feel beautiful, like me tonight. Who laughed? I want to see you when this is over. I think I'm a pretty handsome fellow myself. Aesthetic needs. The need to feel beautiful. <clears throat> what do you men think when you hear your wife say, I hate my hair, when you're getting ready to go somewhere? Number seven is self-actualization needs. Self-actualization this means is when people are approaching a project or when they're, when they're embracing a challenge and they win. It's when they do or accomplish what they set out to do or accomplish. It's when I'm done, I win. There's only 2% of Americans that have this, this fulfillment in this particular need. Only 2%. Only 1% of college kids feel like that what they, they do what they really set out to do. They feel like their self-actualization needs are being met. And then number two is transcendence. And this is huge for Grace Church. This is huge for kingdom people. It's huge for church people. It's transcendence. It's living beyond yourself, and it's impacting someone else. It's going beyond who you are. It's not being so kind of selfish and indirected uh, towards yourself, but it's impacting the lives of others. Uh, it's helping out other people and feeling fulfilled along that line. So these are eight needs that most people have. So more specifically tonight, for those of you that are here, I'd like for us to take a look at four things about us as individual people. Number one, who do you think you are? And this is the actually a before-you-knew-God person, but it fits in the category of no God, the first part of our vision here at Grace Church. But who do you think you are? You might be hurt tonight. That might be what you think about yourself. You may feel bitter. You may think you're ugly. I don't know what to say about that. If you're just an ugly person, I don't know what to say about that. Um, that was meant to be a joke, kind of funny, to break the tension a little bit, but you're taking me serious. There are people here tonight that I think is ugly, but I'll never tell you who you are. Just saying. I'm kidding, okay? Just, okay. Um, and then you may feel like you're useless. This is a huge low self-esteem, kind of what we call a martyr-type attitude that a lot of people have. I'm just no good at anything. I can't do anything. I'm no value to my family. And I hear that often out of people. And I don't know, with some people, it's, it's just a moment to whine and to get people to feel sorry for them. But there's other people that actually feel that way. But when you're a child of God, you're never useless. Never useless. And everybody said amen. The second part of this is, who does God know you are? And this is where you find freedom. And this is what we strive here at Grace Church to acquaint people with as much as they will allow us to do. First of all, as far as God is concerned, you are a child of God. You are a child of God. And number two is you're chosen. The little boy said, many are cold and a few are frozen. That's not what the Bible says. Many are called and few are chosen. Uh, but you're chosen by God. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. Number three is you're called. You're called. God called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
And then uh, number four, uh, point D, is you're blessed and highly favored. That's who God knows you are. And you have to accept that identity. The impetus is on you to accept and to receive that identity, that you're a child of God, you're chosen, you're called, you're blessed and highly favored. So let's talk about discovering purpose tonight. We asked you earlier, who do you think you are? We asked, what does God know you are? But let me ask you this tonight. What do you think you could be? If you had life to do over again and could do whatever you wanted to do with no risk of failure, what would you do? What do you think you could be? And this is discovering purpose. If you have a desire for a future leadership role at Grace Church, leadership at Grace Church is if you have a title behind your name, such as a, an usher, a host, a hostess, a teacher, praise team member, musician, what have you. If you had a desire to be in leadership, to, to be functional in your church, giving back to your church, discovering your purpose, we look for six qualities, and we're committed to develop and train you in these qualities. We look for six. Number one is you first must be a Christian. When I say Christian, that's not loosely defined here at Grace Church. It means you must believe in one God, Acts 2.38, the fruit of the Spirit. To be in leadership, we ask that you believe and live holiness. I appreciate holiness whether you're in leadership or not. But that's a part of our criteria here at Grace Church. So the first thing is to be a Christian. Number two is character. And that is to be moral, it's to be right with God, it's to have a clear conscience, it's to be honest, it's to be pure. Number three is competent. We ask you to be competent. That is having the ability to do what you say you can and will do. What I mean by that is we have folks that say, I'd like to be in the praise team. Well, can you sing? No. Well, really ain't no point in proceeding much further with that is it um, and so on we have a lot of folks sometimes they'll say well man i can do this 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 and this and then you put them in that role and they can't do so we ask people to be competent that is having the ability to do what you say you can and will do number four is very important here at grace church we look for chemistry we look for team players we look for people that can be, become a part of the team everybody listen we respect your experience from the past, but when you become a part of Grace Church, we ask you to do it our way. Simple illustration is you can fry French fries at Burger King, but I promise you if you go to McDonald's, they're going to do it different. And you're going to do it that way if you want to work there. And we're kind of similar here. We appreciate past experience, but we ask you to adapt to the way we do things here. Number five is we ask for people who can discern culture. You must understand and embrace the Grace Church culture. Listen carefully. We are kind, we are friendly, and we are non-judgmental. We are non-judgmental. We are not prejudiced. We are not biased. None of that is tolerated here. I don't fool with it. I said a long time ago, our church is, it is, as far as I know, is biracial. I would hope in the future we can have Asian people, Hispanic people, Spanish people, whoever. But at this point, we're biracial, and there's two words that don't exist at Grace Church, and that's black and white. We're all people. Does everybody understand that? Thank you very much. <clears throat> Amen. So you have to, must embrace our culture. Number six. 
is it's necessary to have a calling. You must have an inspiration to serve. We don't guilt trip people into serving. We don't bug you about serving. If you want to, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. We ask you to have the initiative, the calling, the desire, the motivation to do it. Number two, we look for potential value. We look for potential value. That's the ability to see something in people. We rehearsed this in our, our last session last Wednesday night, but we, we try to discern. We, we look for potential in people. And if we ask you, and you'll learn tonight about what your gifting is, and that's going to go a long ways to helping. But if you have a gifting and you want to be used at Grace Church, there is a certain attitude that we want you to have when you serve on our leadership team. And this is for our current leadership team and our future leadership team. Watch the video screen. Does everybody get the point? That's the kind of attitude and spirit we like here at Grace Church. We don't play the Eeyore song here. Oh, bother. We don't even play Pooh's song when he's saying, I'm just a little black rain cloud hovering under your honey tree. No black rain clouds, no Eeyore. We want Tiggers. Happy, bouncy, head made out of rubber. Tail made out of springs. Has everybody got it? Amen. Thank the Lord. I've told you folks that I'm some sometimes unorthodox here, so there you go. And the Tigger spirit is when you're asked to do something, you just say, sure. Everybody say, sure. Okay. Not sure. I'll do it. Sure. All right. Okay. The second thing we look for is positive value. Again, don't be the little black rain cloud from Winnie the Pooh or Debbie Downer. We don't want to know why something won't work, but why it will. Don't come with a problem unless you can recommend a solution. Amen. Number three is personal value. We're doing life and kingdom together here. Know who you are and know what you want to become. Personal value. Number four is production value. You've got to be productive. Got to be productive. You're not just a title holder here at Grace Church. We ask that you be a go-getter. You connect with your team, whatever team you're on. You connect with those people. You connect with your church. You connect with God. You connect with the kingdom of God. You've got to be connected. You can't expect to say, hey, I'm the boss now. I'm a member here now, so y'all do what I tell you to do. That don't work that way. You have to connect with people. You like people and let people like you back. And uh, we ask that you be productive. And finally tonight, we look for heart. Passionate about God. People who are passionate about God. 
People who are passionate about having a willingness to please Him, we look for heart. Number two, we look, we are community. We are community. Everybody listen. There's no cliques here and there's no clubs here. We're all invited. We're all apart. I hate the word click. And I know that's strong terminology. And we've been accused of having cliques here. I'm going to get into that the next session. If you want to have friends, the Bible says, you must show yourself friendly. Okay, we'll get into that next week. All right, number three at Grace Church is we are excellent here. We are excellent to the best of our ability in everything we do. We're not going to ask you to just be good. We want you to be really good at everything you do. I don't care if you're throwing something in the dumpster in the back. Do it good. Don't let it hang over the edge and half of it spill out on the parking lot. Do it right. Everything you do, do right. Because if you don't, somebody else is going to have to come behind you and finish it. So we ask that you, we do, you do things excellent. This is about God. God deserves excellence out of us, and we're here to please Him. Number four is attitude. We're going to do some sessions on that in the near future, but you must have a great, out, great outlook and be visionary. That's uh, what we ask you to do here at Grace Church. And finally, our fourth point tonight is what does God know you can be? What does God know you can be. Well, we're going to find out as Brother Merrill comes. on expeditions through uh, what we now know as the western United States and these great adventures that they went on to find out what mysteries, what wealth, what knowledge uh, the West possessed. And that's what we want to do tonight. We're going to take you on a little bit of a journey. So we're going to discover your spiritual gifting tonight. 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. In other words, God intends for us to know what our spiritual gifts are. So before we get into that, let's talk about what spiritual gifts are not. They are not natural aptitudes, strengths, or abilities. We all have natural abilities that we've learned from those around us, regardless of our Christian faith. Many times, many times our natural abilities and strength are redeemed by God and become spiritual gifts. But that's not always the case. Spiritual giftings are not character traits. We are called to have character, and our gifts should produce the nature of Jesus Christ in each person and allow us opportunities to exemplify Christ. Spiritual gifts are endowments given by God to His people for accomplishing His purpose on earth and are given to us for the glory of God, not for the glory of man. Your spiritual gifting is for the glory of God. It is to be used for the kingdom and for His purpose. Sometimes God allows us to use them 
to earn a living or something like that, but the main purpose of our spiritual giftings is for the glory of God. Spiritual giftings are not titles or positions. Spiritual giftings often lead to titles or positions, but a person may have the gift without the role or the role without the gift. Regardless, we should serve whenever we're given the opportunity. Working in an area of your gifting will allow you to be the person that God has called you to be rather than just doing good things. So we want you to work within your gifting. So then finally, how do we receive spiritual gifts? First, we acquire faith and truth in the area of the spiritual gifting. That's what we're doing tonight is giving you the truth of it, helping you to see it. Apply yourself to learning about and developing your spiritual gifts. So as you determine them tonight, apply yourself to them and learn about them, and then ask God to help you with your spiritual giftings. So tonight, if you will look at your answer sheet, you will see the very top line up there. There is a uh, letter A. And what I'd like for you to do real quickly, if you'll look at your answer sheet and take the top, say, three scores, two or three scores, if you have uh, two scores that are, say, 14 Draw a line uh, beside them, a little mark, or circle them, something like this, so you can identify them. The highest two or three scores that you have, those are your, going to be your giftings when we go through them. Okay? Now, your column should be, zero, uh, be numbered somewhere between 0 and 16. If you have a 20, you didn't do it right. Okay? All right, so A... And what I'm going to do is give you a word. You should see the word. Uh, write it down in that blank, and I'll give you a brief definition of what that, uh, what that means. A is helps. Helps. You'll see it on the screen behind me if you need some help. That was good, wasn't it? Helps is the ability to invest the talents one has in their life in ministry to other members of the church body thus enabling those other members to increase their effectiveness of their own spiritual gifts and ministries. You just help. B is leadership. Leadership is the ability to set goals in accordance with God's purpose and the pastor's vision for the future and accomplish uh, and communicate those goals to others in such a way they voluntarily Work together to accomplish those goals for the glory of God and the church body. That is leadership. C is hospitality. Hospitality is the ability to provide an open and warm welcome to those who are new to the church, to invite them to your home for food and fellowship, to be a host or hostess at church functions or socials. God help us to be hospitable. D is service. Service is the ability to identify the unmet needs involved in a task related to God's work and to make use of available resources to meet those needs. That is service. E is administration. Administration is the ability to understand clearly the immediate and long-range goals of a particular ministry of the body of Christ and devise and execute an effective plan for the accomplishment of those goals. 
to play a supportive role to ministry's needs. It's administration. F is discernment. Discernment is the ability to know with assurance whether certain behavior claimed to be of God is really divine, if it's human, or if it is satanic. The purpose of this gift is to prevent confusion and false teaching from infiltrating the church body. G is faith. Faith is the ability to discern with extraordinary confidence the will and purpose of God and to propel the body of believers into actively claiming the promises of God. H is music. Music is the ability to use one's voice in singing, gifted in playing an instrument and praises to the Lord for the benefit of others. I always score zero right there when it comes to singing. That's the only score I'll tell you, but I will tell you that one. I is languages and tongues. This gifting is the ability to speak a divinely anointed message in a language one has never learned. Its purpose is an evangelistic tool for spreading the gospel that will be interpreted for the edification, exhortation, or comfort of the church body. J is miracles. Miracles is the ability to serve as a human intermediary through whom it pleases God to perform acts that are perceived by observers to have altered the ordinary course of nature. God uses you to perform a miracle. K is craftsmanship. Craftsmanship. That is the ability to use one's hands, thoughts, mind to further the kingdom of God through artistic and creative means. It's it's to be able to perform and lead others in that ability. L is healing. Healing is the ability to serve as a human intermediary through whom God's healing power is applied to another person's physical or emotional need. M is giving. Giving is the ability to contribute material resources or financial support to the work of God with cheerfulness. To recognize a need and meet that need through prayer or practical means. It's giving. It's not necessarily just giving money, but it's giving of your time, your talent. In is mercy. And boy, does our society, does our world, does our community need a church with the gift of mercy? Mercy is the ability to feel genuine empathy and compassion for individuals who suffer distressing physical, mental, or emotional problems. To translate that compassion into cheerfully done deeds which reflects the love of Christ 
and helps to alleviate the suffering. It's mercy, being merciful. O is wisdom. We need a lot of this too. Wisdom is the ability to apply spiritual truth to a specific issue and to make proper choices in difficult situations based on sufficient information. It's just wisdom. The letter P is knowledge. Knowledge is the ability to discover, accumulate, analyze, clarify information which is important and useful to the growth and well-being of the church body. Q is exhortation. Exhortation is the ability to minister the words of encouragement, consolation, comfort, and motivation from God's Word to help others complete their task and help solve their problems. This applies to secular skills and a knowledge as well as ministry involvement. It's exhortation, being able to just exhort people. I feel like a robot up here just going one right after another in my great monotone voice. Y'all smile or... R is teaching. Teaching is the ability to comprehend and pass on biblical knowledge relevant to the health and ministry of the body and its members in such a way that others will learn. It's teaching. S is pastor shepherd. This is the ability to assume a long-term personal responsibility for the spiritual welfare of a group of believers, to be a leader in the body of Christ. I will say, if you score high in this area, it does not necessarily mean you're called to be a pastor. It doesn't mean you're not, but it doesn't mean you are. Just remember that. T is apostleship. Apostleship is the ability to assume and exercise general leadership over a number of churches with extraordinary authority in spiritual matters which is spontaneously recognized and appreciated by those churches. If you scored high in that area, it does not necessarily mean you're going to be an apostle. You is missionary. And this is always the one when you, when you say this one in a, teaching this material and somebody goes, ooh, I scored high in that one. Does that mean I'm going to a foreign country? Maybe. If you scored high in that one. <laughs> you as missionary, the ability to minister with whatever other spiritual gifts one has in a second culture. This may include foreign or domestic church work. So you may, you may be able to be used in a different culture than the culture you're used to. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to a foreign land. And there's many cultures right here in Central. So you could be used in a missionary role right here in Central. V is prophecy. 
Prophecy is the ability to claim the word of God with divine anointing for a particular situation. It brings conviction to the body of believers or to an individual so they recognize that this is truly the word of God in their life and they take godly direction. That's prophecy. W is evangelism. Evangelism is the ability to share the gospel with unbelievers in such a way that they become Jesus' disciples and responsible members of the body of Christ. And we need people with the gifting of evangelism. Coupled with community and outreach, it is an incredible, incredible tool. And then finally, X is prayer and intercession. This is the ability to pray for an extended period of time, to pray on a regular basis, and to see frequent and specific answers to that prayer to a degree much greater than experienced by most Christian people. So when you pray, God answers. And you see that often. Was anybody surprised tonight? Nobody surprised? Anybody a little caught off guard maybe? Everybody knew your giftings. Wow, you are an incredible, incredible group of people. God bless you tonight. Uh, Sister Christy is going to come right now. Some of you may be surprised with this next part. And she's going to get to uh, talk to you about your personality. Okay, everybody turn to the last page in your packet. And we're going to talk about personalities. This is my favorite class. I love this class. There are many different personality assessments available, such as the DISC profile, the Myers-Briggs assessment, or Galen's four temperaments. And you probably have taken one of these at some point in your job or maybe in your schooling. Understanding personality types and the dynamics of each is incredibly useful in communicating and interacting with family members, church and team members, and people in general. If you are new to Grace or this is the first time you've gone through these classes, you may wonder why we do both a giftings assessment and a personality assessment. And the, re- the reason is simple. We may have four people with the exact same score in the exact same spiritual gifting category, but each of those four people have a different personality type. The result is that they will serve in that same spiritual gifting in different ways according to their specific personalities. Utilizing both tools gives us a more complete picture of how we can best guide someone in their growth, development, and in discovering their purpose. The personality assessment we use at Grace Church was developed by Drs. Gary Smalley and John Trent and has proven to be an incredibly useful tool in the development of members and leaders. This personality assessment is divided into four categories, our personality types. While each person is a combination of all four types, most people find that they have a dominant personality and a secondary personality. The two types with the highest scores reveal the most accurate picture of your natural inclinations, strengths and weaknesses, and how you will naturally respond in most situations. These categories are certainly broad, but we find them easy to remember and easy to communicate. So before we get into breaking them down, I do want to uh, let you know that there is a handout at Grand Central with a lot of this information in it, so you don't have to try to write down everything I'm about to tell you. So I hope that helps a little bit. If you do have questions regarding either assessment, 
please feel free to make an appointment with pastor and he'll, he'll explain everything for you. So let's get into the personalities explained. On your score sheet, you will see a column labeled L. For this personality assessment, each category has been assigned an animal. So if your highest score is in the column labeled L, you are a lion. You are the extrovert, the doer, the optimist. Lions are leaders. They are usually the bosses at work, or at least they think they are. They are decisive. They are bottom line folks who are observers, not watchers, not listeners. They love to solve problems. They are usually individualists who love to seek new adventures and opportunities. Lions are very confident and self-reliant. In a group setting, if no one instantly takes charge, the lion will. Unfortunately, if they don't learn how to tone down their aggressiveness, their natural dominating traits can cause problems with others. Most entrepreneurs are strong lions or at least have a lot of lion in them. A lion will often say, do it now, or ask, what is the point? So do y'all know any lions already? The strengths of a lion are that they are visionary, they are practical, and they are productive. Their weaknesses can include that they are domineering, unemotional, and self-sufficient, often sarcastic and cruel. Their environment will include lots of projects, awards on the walls, a large calendar, and their furniture in their offices will be arranged in a very formal manner. They gain security by being in control. Their pace is fast and decisive. Don't waste their time. They want to, they're quick, quick, quick. They need a climate that responds immediately. They are irritated by wasted time and unpreparedness. And for growth, they need to appear less critical, respect people's personal worth, and develop tolerance for conflict. And they need to learn to pace themselves. So you want to avoid with a lion attacking their character, telling them what to do, presenting win-loss scenarios. On an emotional level, a lion is dynamic and active. They must correct wrongs. They are not easily discouraged, and they exude confidence. As a parent, they are sound leaders. They establish goals, they know the right answer, and they have an organized household. At work, they're going to be goal-oriented. They seek practical solutions, they delegate, and they thrive on opposition. As a friend, they really don't need friends. They have very little need for friends. They will lead and organize. They are usually right, and they excel in an emergencies. To communicate with a lion, if you have a lion in your life or in your home, you want to be very efficient and to the point. You want to provide them with options, information on what it does and by when, freedom to act, and immediate action. <sighs> yes, I'm, I'm just going to move on from there. I'm not going to comment. <laughs> General strategies are they want you to be efficient and competent. They, you, they want you to support their goals and objectives. If you disagree, you want, they want you to argue facts, not feelings. 
Be precise, time-disciplined, and well-organized. And most importantly, do not waste their time. All right. I'm hearing some amens. Okay. The next column is labeled O. If this is your highest score, you are an otter. You're the extrovert, the talker, the optimist. Otters are excitable, fun-seeking, cheerleader types who love to talk. They are great at motivating others, and they need to be in an environment where they can talk and have a vote on major decisions. The otter's outgoing nature makes them great networkers. They usually know a lot of people who know a lot of people. They can be very loving and encouraging unless under pressure when they tend to use their verbal skills to attack. They have a strong desire to be liked and enjoy being the center of attention. They are very attentive to style, clothes, and flash. Otters are the life of any party, and most people really enjoy being around them. An otter will often say, trust me, or lighten up, or my personal favorite, can't we just get along and have fun? <laughs> An otter's strengths are going to be that they are outgoing, warm, friendly, compassionate, and enthusiastic. Their weaknesses will be that they are undisciplined, unproductive, they like to exaggerate, and they're usually unstable. <laughs> well, alrighty then. <laughs> Their environment is going to be cluttered. They love awards and slogans on the wall, motivational pictures. They're, they have a lot of family pictures, personal pictures, and it's always going to be very warm and very friendly. They gain security by being flexible. Their pace is fast and spontaneous. They need a climate that collaborates. They are irritated by too many facts, too much logic, Boring tasks, the same old thing, routine, being alone, those kinds of things. For growth, they need to learn to respect priorities, take a more logical approach, follow through, get better organized, and concentrate on the task at hand. And you want to avoid with an otter rejection, arguing, and negativity. Emotionally, an otter has a memory for color. They will physically hold on to the listener. They're going to be touchy. They're going to be rubbing your back or hugging you or holding your hand or something like that. They're usually good on stage, and they have a changeable dis disposition. As a parent, they make home fun. They are liked by their children's friends. They turn any disaster into humor, and they are the circus master. At work, they're going to volunteer for any job. They're creative and colorful. They have energy and enthusiasm, and they're always thinking up new activities. As a friend, they make friends easily. They thrive on compliments. They apologize quickly, and they love spontaneity. To communicate with an otter, you, they want you to be stimulating and interesting. They want you to provide them with quality, information on how will it enhance their status or how it will increase their talent, originality, or uniqueness. General strategies for dealing with an otter, they want you to be interested in them, support their dreams, feelings, and opinions. 
be sociable. Do not hurry the discussion. Give them a chance to verbalize. Try not to argue. Don't deal with details. Put it all in writing. Do not be shy. And they like you to agree on the specifics of any arrangement. So do we have any otters? Ooh, and they're proud, boy. Yes, I'm an otter. So our next column is labeled G. And if your highest score is in this column, you are a golden retriever. You're the introvert, the watcher, the pessimist. One word describes these people, loyal. They're so loyal, in fact, that they can absorb the most emotional pain and punishment in a relationship and still stay committed. They are great listeners, incredibly empathetic, and warm encouragers. However, they tend to be such pleasers that they can have a great difficulty they can have great difficulty being assertive in a situation or relationship when it's needed. A golden retriever will often say, let's work together, or ask, why change? Why do we need to change? Their strengths are that they are calm, easygoing, dependable, and quiet. Their weaknesses are that they can be selfish, a procrastinator, unmotivated, fearful, and a worrier. Their environment is going to have family pictures, slogans on the wall, personal items, and relaxed, friendly decorations. They gain security by close relationships. Their pace is slow and easy. They need a climate that processes. They're irritated by pushy and aggressive behavior, insincerity, and being put on the spot. And for growth, they will need to learn to take risk, delegate to others, confront, develop confidence in others, learn to change, and adapt. You will want to avoid with them conflict, sudden unplanned risky changes, overloading them, or confusing them. Emotionally, a golden retriever is going to have a low-key personality. They are patient and well-balanced, quiet but witty. They're just an all-purpose person. As a parent, they often make good parents. They take time for their children. They're usually not in a hurry, and they don't upset easily. At work, a golden retriever is going to be competent and steady, peaceful and agreeable. They mediate problems, and they are good under pressure. As a friend, they are easy to get along with. They're inoffensive. They have a dry sense of humor, and they have many friends. To communicate with a golden retriever, you will want to be cooperative and pleasant. You want to provide them with assurances and information on how it will affect their circumstances, popular ideas, risk-sharing, reliability, and assistance in presenting it to others. General strategies for interacting with a golden retriever will be that you wa they want you to be non-threatening and sincere, show personal interest and support their feelings, don't push, Move along in a slow manner, show that you're listening, be easygoing, and assure them that you stand behind any decisions they make. All right. Do we have any golden retrievers? Very good. And last but not least, if your highest score is in the column labeled B, you are a beaver. A beaver is the introvert, the thinker the pessimist. 
Beavers have a strong need to do things right and by the book. In fact, they are the kind of people who actually read instruction manuals. They are great at providing quality control in an office or any situation or field that demands accuracy, such as accounting, engineering, etc. Because rules, consistency, and high standards are so important to beavers, they are often frustrated with others who do not share these same characteristics. Their strong need for maintaining high and oftentimes unrealistic standards can short-circuit their ability to express warmth in a relationship. Beavers will often say, do it right, or prove it. Their strengths are that they are analytical, self-disciplined, industrious, organized, aesthetic, they are artistic and visual, and they are sacrificing. Their weaknesses include that they can be moody, self-centered, touchy, negative, unsociable, critical, and sometimes revengeful. (coughs) I'm feeling you, Brother Jonathan. Their environment is that they are structured and organized. They like charts and graphs, functional decor, formal seating arrangements. They gain security by preparation. Hallelujah. Woo! I bet y'all can't guess what I am. (laughs) If you've known me for about 30 seconds. Um, Their pace is that they are slow and systematic. They need a climate that describes... They are irritated by people who do not know what they're talking about. Lack of attention to detail, surprises, and unpredictability. There's something there. For growth, they need to make faster decisions, tolerate conflict, learn to compromise, and adjust to change and disorganization. Got to work on that. Avoid with them criticizing, blunt personal questions, incomplete or inaccurate recommendations. A beaver on an emotional level will be deep and thoughtful. They are artistic and creative. They're analytical and they're idealistic. As a parent, they will set very high standards. They want everything done right. They pick up after their children. Mm -hmm. And they keep their home in good order. At work, they're going to be schedule-oriented, detail-conscious, neat and tidy. They like charts, graphs, figures, and lists. These are my people, yes. As a friend, they're going to make friends cautiously. They're content to stay in the background. They are faithful and devoted, and they seek an ideal mate. To communicate with a beaver, they want you to be... I did seek an ideal mate, and I found one. Thank you, Jesus. He is also in this category. I'm going to tell on him. So he was seeking me, too. So there. To communicate with a beaver, they want you to be accurate and precise. They want you to provide them with evidence, information on on how they can logically justify. They want systematic plans and progress reviews. General strategies are they want you to be thorough and well-planned, support their thoughtful approach, demonstrate through action rather than words, be exact, organized, and prepared. 
Give them time to verify your words. Don't rush decision-making. Avoid gimmicks and provide evidence that what you say is true and accurate. So do we have any beavers? Yes. I'm a beaver. That is often my highest score by by a lot. So, but uh, we hope that this has been informational and insightful for you. Um, using these, utilizing these two tools together, the, the giftings assessment and the personality test, has been so helpful in uh, assisting people in finding their purpose for the in the kingdom. So, um, just remember, like Pastor said, to turn in your score sheets in the basket on the way out and pick up a handout. And uh, we hope that y'all have enjoyed the session, Pastor. When you're working with Pastor Murphy, I am virtually, when I took this personality test, I am almost right down the middle, half beaver and half lion. So I've got a bipersonality, bipolar personality, I guess. So uh, so I, I don't know what you see. But anyway, just give you a little information. It would have been a whole lot of fun. There were several married couples here tonight as I scanned the crowd. I wish I could have been a, a fly on one of your shoulders just to hear what you were saying. See? A lot of that going on over here, some going on in the back. And so uh, this has been a very entertaining session. And what's really cool about it, is we did it in about 55 minutes. We pumped in a lot of information tonight, and I appreciate uh, Brother Merrill and Sister Christy working with me tonight on this. And as she said, um, if you'd leave your test at Grand Central, uh, we will return them to you, but we'd like to harvest the information off of it, if you would. And then if you have prepared tonight to give in an offering, we'll have a couple of ushers standing at each door as you go out with the uh, offering uh, uh, offering basket you can put your offering in that everybody stand tonight glad to see all of you our guests here tonight so glad you could be here those of you watching on live stream thank you so very much for being a part of our uh grace steps three session tonight father we love you thank you for all of your kindness your mercy your tenderness we're thankful god for your forbearance your understanding we're thankful for the love of god and the mercy of god that we're all bask in, that we all are a part of and a byproduct of. Thank you, God, for filling us up with your Spirit, for believing in us and making us who we are. I pray tonight that we could accept our identity, understand our identity tonight, and use it for the glory and furtherance of your kingdom. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Thank you all for being here tonight. We'll see you Sunday morning. God bless.